Good morning, Dr. Joel. Hi, good morning, guys. Our first question is from L. His first question is: With the current COVID situation, kids, toddlers are constantly trapped indoors.、Mm. Do you have any good suggestion on how to create a healthy mental health environment for them? I think on its own, when kids left to their own devices, they're happy to play on their own and, and create like fantastical scenarios so they can like you know go on a pirate ship or space travel. That, that's all fine. So I think if anything, kids are probably going to be more robust than adults, like、uh, being at home, stuck at home, and all that. The tricky thing about them is the social interaction. Actions though, because kids really do thrive on that, and that's why they like school so much, and and you know religious activities like or like church or whatever it is, right? When they go there, then they can interact with people, their peers and cousins and all. So that's the critical part that's missing right now, lah. So that's the thing that we need to try and amp up a bit more. And obviously, because of CMCO, because of lockdown, we can't really travel that much physically. It's going to be difficult, lah. So what I would suggest is that if you guys could band together with a few other parents or maybe your own siblings, so that they can interact with their cousins, right? To organize different online activities for them. Right. So, for example, you can do a watch party,、uh, an option where you can watch a show together, and then you guys can talk and then chat and stuff like that. So that's one good option. There are games that they can play online as well. That new game that's going around that's really popular nowadays,、uh, Among Us, I think, the one where you、uh, yeah, yeah yeah go around. Yeah. <laughs> is that suitable、uh, for kids? <laughs> well, depending on how old your kid is, lah. Right. I、okay. mean, if they're te-、uh, older teens, that's fine. But younger kids, there's still lots of games that they can play as well. It's really no comparison, or it's not as good as those physical social interactions, of course. But I think given what we have to Deal with that's what we can do, lah. Second one, I think as parents, as much as difficult it is to balance between work and family and all that, right? I think it's important for us to try and spend a bit more time with the kids as well, right? Have a chat with them about what they're playing with, and also sometimes join in with, with them as well, lah. And I know it can be tiring, but I think they're gonna need it, lah, because they、mm-hmm. cannot. It, it's hard for them to lose that、uh, interaction with their friends and peers, lah, right? So those those are two really simple things that we can try and do, and I think would be the most helpful for them.、Lah. Second、mm. part of the question: as a staff, you know that your bosses and colleagues. Are really stressed with、yep. the current company performance due to COVID. What、mm. can we do as an organization to come through this together from a mental health point of view? Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do when your staff is scattered all over the place. Everyone has their own little ecosystem they're in, lah. Right. So let's say for me, I'm at home with my family of four, so that's my ecosystem. Someone else might be from, let's say, Kuantan, so they they rented a room in KL, so they're all alone and stuck in a room, for example. So it's hard because everyone's going to have their own needs. Needs and their own uh, uh, expectations and things like that, lah. Right? Know how they're gonna cope. So for that one, I think the best that we can do is to give them a more blanket kind of assistance. So I've heard of companies who've sent out care packages to their staff, right? So for example, a pair of headphones, a little light, for example, if they do more social interaction. So those are really good because then it tells the employees that hey, we're looking out for you guys as best we can. It's not easy, but you know we're trying. I know other companies who sent out、uh, food packages, so like a little like food basket or whatever it is, just to make sure that they're okay and things like that. So those are really nice. Simple gestures just to give everyone a boost on a company policy level. I think that's something that can be changed. But again, depends on the size of company. Like if it's a bit bigger, then it's harder. But if it's a smaller company, a startup, for example, it's easier. So having things like, for example, really super flexi hours, right? So meaning that you log in when you can, and as long as you get your job done, that's it. If you take three hours to finish your your task for the day, that's it. Then your the rest of the day is yours. Obviously, that requires a lot of、uh, faith from the management and things like that.、Like. But if you can do that, I think employees will thank you for it because then it gives them more flexibility in their daily lives. So I think these are some things that you can do, lah, right, to raise the mood, so to speak, lah. This question has been sent to us on our Digi Lightline as well. This is from John. 
Hi, my two-year-old son is diagnosed with autism and been sending him for applied behavior application therapy, but it's really expensive. What should I do if I can no longer afford sending him for therapy? ABA therapy is really expensive, and I think the reason why is because it's very intensive, right? The whole idea behind ABA is that, you know, we're trying to provide the client with as much skills as possible so that they can cope. And because with autism, there's some deficits in terms of their social abilities. So we need to compensate for that how do you speak assertively how do you communicate with someone for the people on the milder end of the autism spectrum for example one option is for you to look for NGO based organisations the most prominent one is NASOM the National Autistic Society of Malaysia they are an organisation that has ABA training and all that kind of things um, and they're scattered all over Malaysia so they've got multiple centres the only issue with them is that their waiting list is really long right? Oh. so you might want to put in your application right now in planning for the future like, um, there are other NGOs out there that you can look out for that will provide ABA training but the only thing is that they might not be specialists in them so there are a lot of private centres that are specialists in autism and developmental disorders provide more like a one-stop centre kind of thing the third and final one is you as a parent you can learn a lot also from the trainings as well so if you can invest some time to participate and, and learn from the trainings from your child then you can actually reenact or do a little bit of it on your own as well at home right? so that can help take away some of the pressure as well so those are some things that you can try and see is this but, a long-term thing doc once your child is diagnosed with autism, do you have to send them for this applied behavior application therapy for the rest of their lives? Or? Okay, it's not that you have to, but I think the thing about ABA, the reason why it's effective is because it's so regular. It's, the child will slowly pick up the good activities and good behaviors that we want them to learn. So when you say for life, it's not really for life as well, but it's to a point where they, are, they can be self-sufficient, they can take care of themselves. At least mm. you're talking about basics here, but like things, for example, like following a routine, feeding themselves, dressing themselves and things like that. So they functional in that sense. So that's what we're aiming for. La. So there are a lot of people who actually graduate this kind of trainings as well. So that means mm. after a certain point, then there's less need for them to go back anymore. La. They're able to function fairly independently la, in that sense. Mm. But how long that is will vary from person to person, right? Because with autism, we're looking at it as spectrum. So uh, the old terms were autism and then Asperger's, for example. Asperger's is the higher functioning ones, but they have some social quirks about them. La. Now we say it's a spectrum. So if you're the more severe end of the spectrum, then you're probably going to be looking at it for a much longer time time for example if you're in the lower end then you know it's lesser time so it's something that depends on person to person your staff we receive a voice note from carol on our dg lightline i've been having insomnia and fast heart rate since the last two months i've also seen an endocrinologist and he said that my insomnia is not due to declining hormones but due to perimenopause but it's caused by anxiety so how do i overcome this insomnia if your doctor is right like and it's anxiety right you're Insomnia isn't a problem, it's a symptom. The reason why a lot of people with very high levels of anxiety and they can't sleep is because when they're lying down in bed, even though your body is physically tired, your mind isn't resting, it's still racing a million miles an hour thinking about, you know, I don't know what to cook tomorrow, meeting my boss tomorrow, whatever it is. And because of that, that's what keeps you up because it's a constant stream of narrative that's going through your head. So the insomnia is just a symptom of it. If you can clear the anxious thoughts in your head, you'll go to sleep like a light. It's not an issue. So what I will recommend for, for you is that, Carol, to start a routine before you go to sleep so it's like bedtime nighttime routine kind of thing right? so before you sleep you know, set aside about half an hour 45 minutes or so to really get yourself in the mood of sleeping right? so that inclu- so that 45 minutes will include things like changing your pyjamas for example washing up and all that kind of good stuff setting the tone right? that's really important as well don't try and like work until like 11 o'clock and then say okay I'm going to sleep at 11 and then jump straight into bed your body needs time to transition as well right? so use that 45 minutes to end whatever you're doing and then start getting into the mood of sleeping really, right? that's another thing that 
they can do. Include relaxation activities into that 45 minutes. So um, breathing exercises, uh, mindfulness, if you're that way inclined. Some people do some light yoga that works as well. There's also something called guided imagery exercises that you can go onto YouTube and look for it, right? Where it's basically uh, in a simplistic nature, someone's telling you a story like, and you're listening to it, like, right? But this story is designed to engage as many senses as possible. So your sense of hearing, sight, sound, that kind of thing, right? So the whole idea of behind all these relaxation exercises is to calm your body down, of course, but more importantly, your mind down, right? Because we want to stop it from racing. So build that routine up, right? And the most important thing about the routine also is to make sure that your activities that you do just before you sleep aren't action-packed. When you see this kind of sleep hygiene kind of routine, it's called sleep hygiene, basically. They'll ask you to either watch a show or read a book, which is a great idea, but don't go and watch like, I don't know, um, The Purge or something like that, right? Don't watch a horror show. Exactly, exactly. Or okay, drama that never ends, right? Just keep watching, watching, watching. Don't do that. Watch something that's familiar, you watch a million times before, like Friends or something, you know, or the Harry Potter series or whatever, you know, something you watch a million times over, you already can tell it backwards. Those are good stories to lull you off the bit. It's a form of distraction. I've also got clients who listen to audiobooks as well. So that's really good. So you put it on your phone, set it a timer for 20 minutes, half an hour, leave it on, and then you just go to sleep and listen to the story. So those are some things you can do, Carol, just to calm your mind down a little bit. But keep an eye on it. If all these activities that I suggested doesn't really work, right? You might want to work with a psychologist or a counselor just because they've got a lot more hands-on kind of activities or skills that you can try on to, to manage your anxiety. And I think if you can manage anxiety, your insomnia is going to go away. We receive a voice note from Jennifer on our DG Lightline. I would like to ask you about my problem with my husband, how to dissolve it, how many now always keep on quarreling, always at this time, not he don't even not cheat on me, but he didn't do his responsible as a husband. He even don't care about what we need at home. Now he don't even not cheat me. He always talk to another woman, many women in the through his WhatsApp. This doctor tell me what to do. I've been going through my depression for two and a half years already. Right, Jennifer, um, that's a difficult situation to be in, definitely. Lah. And uh, based on what you're saying, you know, you said you've been depressed for two two years and a bit. And if I'm assuming that it's because of your husband as well, then I think we need to start considering what's best for you, lah, which is important, lah, right? Obviously, we, we never want any relationships to fail. We want marriages to, to keep on if they can. But if it's a consistent behavior and by the sounds of it, it sounds like your husband's already checked out. Lah. He's not helping out with the house. He's speaking to other women and things like that. You know, one option would obviously be to consider couples therapy to work with a therapist together to try and salvage a relationship, of course. But given the fact that you've been depressed for so long and by the sounds of, of the way you speak and all that kind of things, right, and the, the, the pain you're going through, like, my immediate concern would be your well-being, right? How well are you taking care of yourself, like, right? And I think that's, uh, that's, that's worrying for me, like, right? So I think the best way to solve the problem, in, in your words, I think would be to focus on yourself first. Let's get you back up to the right levels, like being okay again, you know, get, manage the depression a bit better. And then after that, we can figure out the, the marriage. Like. I think that's the best approach to go about this. Like. So fix yourself first. Yeah, yourself yeah, first. yeah. So should she go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist first yeah. herself? I think at this point, a psychologist or psychiatrist would be good. If can, both at the same time would be nice because I think by the sounds of it, you sound really depressed, right? The psychiatric medication would be good because that will help manage the symptoms and then you can speak to a psychologist to to lift yourself up a little bit, right? To to figure out yourself what you want and all that kind of good stuff. And then after that, we can decide on what we can do with the relationship. All right, because if you're okay mm. mentally, that means whether the marriage works or not, you can still... 
proceed with life. Yeah, correct. Right now, my main priority or my main focus would be you, definitely. La. Right, the, the marriage is still important, of course, but even if you want to salvage a relationship and if you're not in a good place, it's not going to work out. La. So that's what we need to figure out first. La.